0: Okay, let's try that one more time. Happy Sabbath. There you go. It's an Adventist greeting spoken all around the world, and it signifies how we are in this together. We're enjoying this day together. We're happy and excited that you're here and feel tremendously blessed to be able to worship together with you. Thank you for being here, especially if you are our guests, if you're visiting with us. Welcome to San Diego. Um, yesterday morning, I was invited to be a part of Career Day at San Diego Academy, our local uh, Adventist high school. And uh, I was invited to uh, share with the students uh, uh, something about my job and what I do, and uh, along with several other professionals. It was career day, so uh, there we were, you know, sharing with, uh, with the classroom for the kids. And I tried to convince the kids that I was talking to that I, in fact, had the best job in the world. They weren't really buying it, though. Uh, there was, of course, a psychiatrist present, uh, rocket scientist, scientist. Uh, Uh, a music producer, there were some fantastic people. I was trying to convince them that I, in fact, had the best job in the world. They weren't really buying it, especially because at the end of my whole uh, spiel, somebody raised his hand and said, and um, how much do you make a year again? And uh, of course, um, yeah, that kind of popped out of my balloon in some ways because that's one of the number one questions people think about when they're going into a career and into a field. Well, how much money will I be able to make? And probably by now, if you are a professional or you have a set of job, you have an idea, a ballpark figure of what your yearly salary is. We talked about this last week. In fact, the rest of the world, our society that we live in, wants to define you according to that check mark on that box. Do you make $30,000 to forty thousand dollars a year? Check here. Forty to fifty. Over fifty. Fifty to seventy-five. The world wants to know how much money have you got because it wants to define you by it. The truth is, though. Whatever the answer was, whatever the psychiatrist said, rocket scientist says, whatever that number is, it's not really the number you have, is it? When you look at it, right? Those of us that have jobs, we'll say, oh, I make this much money a year. You're probably giving them your gross, right? This rum ballpark figure. And when you say it out loud, whatever the number is 75,000, 100,000, 120,000, it sounds like a lot, but you might be asking yourself, when you come home, when you look at your banking account, when you look at your paycheck stub, you might ask yourself, where did all the money go, right? When you signed on, when they said you're going to be making X amount of dollars, in fact, that's what we tell the kids, this job, expect to make this much money out of, out, of high, out of college. And then they said, oh, that's fantastic. But then it turns out it's not really that much money. Where does the money go? I'm going to give you a hint. brought my props. Where does the money go? Anybody? The tax man, of course, the tax man. (laughs) Anywhere from 30 to 40 percent of your income goes directly to taxes. Uncle Sam always gets his cut. We live in a country that's defined by our experience of tax. That's how we were born. Boston Tea Party. No taxation without representation. Uh, we live in a country that's defined by tax laws, and in fact, we're talking about taxes because in a couple of days, the tax ban come in, and if you haven't already filed your taxes, you're going to go home tonight after sunset, of course, and scramble on that uh, turbo tax thing and try to get it done. And I'll see you at the post office on, uh, on Monday. I'll be looking for you. Tax, it's an inevitability of life. Where does the money go when you say, I make this much money a year, but you turn around you look at your, uh, your paycheck, your step, whoa. Where did it go? Taxes. Uh, Statistics. I'm going to give you a little bit. Uh, I I shared this with the group this morning. Um, There will be uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 145 million individual tax returns. That's you, you and your wife, your family filed. And of that, the government will collect $1.3 trillion in federal government taxes. Put that together with the corporation taxes, trust funds, etc., the government takes in somewhere around, in the year 2012, $2.5 trillion uh, in revenue. Some of it does come back. Some of you are hoping it'll come back to you in a form of a tax refund so you can do something fun with it. Uh, the average tax refund is 200, I mean, $2,716, and the government gets back, of that $2.5 trillion, about $189 billion in refunds. And you might be asking yourself, Where does all that money go, right? $2.5 trillion every year. Where does it go? Short story is it goes to pay off our debt or the interest on our debt. But that's a conversation for another story. Chances are you probably don't really know where the money goes. So we've come up with this phrase, this expression, to find out, to get to the bottom of things, you have to follow the money. You have to follow the money trail to figure out where does this money go? What is the government doing? Do you know what the government is doing with your taxes? Do you know what California is doing with your taxes? You know, we live in a a state that has some of the highest income tax rates, Uh, just phenomenal income tax rates compared to other states. Do you know where it's going? Yes, you might be thinking, well, it does go paid for freeways. But truth be told, very few of us have any real idea of where money is being spent, for what purposes. We don't get to look at statements and, uh, and uh, receipts and things like that. We just kind of trust that the system is taking care of itself. But that's a big number, $2.5 trillion in taxes every year. And to find out, you have to be asking yourself, where does the money go? Where does the money go? In the same way, those of you that are part of our church community uh, have probably been asking yourself, how about church finances? That's our conversation for today. We're in the middle of a... Um, Four-week series entitled Money Talks, where we're trying to have an open, honest conversation about money. The world is talking about money. The church usually remains silent because we're kind of embarrassed. But we're going to be open and honest about it. Let's talk about money. Now, again, let me just calm you down. Those of you guys that are visiting with us today, we already passed off and played around. Don't worry. We're not going to do it again, okay? This is just for our conversation's sake, so we can all be on the same page, thinking and understanding. We, the Bonita Valley Seventh-day Adventist Church, we want to be very transparent about how money impacts this church. So we're going to talk about church and money. The first question we're going to ask ourselves is, where does the money go? Where does the money go? But to to understand that, we need to go back to what we learned last week. A, the world wants to know how much money have you got because it wants to define you by your income, by your possessions, the kind of house you have, the kind of car you drive. But we learned last week that Jesus says... Jesus says, it is not your wealth that defines you. In fact, it is God who defines your wealth. It is God who determines your true worth. That's why Jesus said, in our story from last week, it's hard for people who have a lot of uh, financial wealth to understand that true value doesn't come from your possessions, but it comes from God himself, a God who's willing to love you despite your financial situation in fact, it's irrelevant to him. What matters to God is that you understand the relationship that he has with us. So we learned uh, in our uh, first service last week that all things come from God. And if you want to catch up, let me just throw this as an as a ad plug here. Uh, we have a website, uh, www.bonitaadvenist.org, and on there you can click our sermon links and you can uh, listen to any of the uh, sermon series that you've missed and catch up because we're covering slightly different subjects. Last week we learned Um, that the Bible tells us in the book of Deuteronomy uh, chapter 8, that God says that he is the one who gives us all of our wealth. Because the Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 8 that it is God who gives you the strength and the ability to create wealth. In fact, he says it really clearly. He says, when you finally build a nice house, when you settle down in a nice neighborhood of San Diego, and you've got a fancy car, and you're doing well, it says you will have a tendency, Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 14, you will have a tendency to forget... That it is I who have given you everything, including the ability to generate wealth. Step one, recognize that everything comes from God. If we're going to follow the money, we've got to understand the source. It all comes from God. The Bible tells us in Psalms that everything belongs to the Lord. Everything in the world belongs to the Lord. The cattle in a thousand hills belongs to God. Everything comes from God. He is the creator and the giver of all things, including your ability to earn a living. Now, some of you might be saying to yourself, I don't think that's true, Pastor. I disagree. I think by the sweat of my brow, uh, by, by, by breaking my back, this is how I've made uh, my living. This is how I've created a life for myself. And that's exactly what God says will happen. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, he says, I know that's what you're going to think. I mean, read it for yourself. He says, I know you'll be saying, by the sweat of my brow, I've done this. But he says, it is I who puts breath in your body. It is I who makes your heart beat. It is I who gives you the ability. If we're going to have an open and honest conversation and understand truly the effects of money in its place, we need to understand that it all comes from God. Amen? It all comes from God. And God is a generous God. We'll get to that in a minute. But it all comes from God. This is a point of departure for many people. And you might be sitting here in church and thinking to yourself, I'm not sure I agree with that. I think it comes from me. That may be true for you. That may be how you are positioned. But I suggest to you today, the Bible teaches us that everything comes from God. Everything comes from God. And if we begin to understand that, it'll actually put everything in its rightful place. So step one, it all comes from God. Number two, God does not want to define you by how much money you have. God wants to define you by the love he has for you. And once you understand that, then your financial wealth and your financial picture begin to shape out in a very different way from what the world teaches us. So where does it all come from? It comes from God. Now, what does God want us to do with it? Once that we've earned a living, once we have a career, once we're making money, what does God want us to do with it? Here's where we're going to start our conversation about church finances for today. Please, if you've got a Bible with you, open it up. We are in the Old Testament. Okay, so there's there's a Bible in the pew uh, right in front of you. We are in the Old Testament and uh, we are going to be looking at Leviticus chapter 27. We're going to old school for a little while. We're in Leviticus chapter 27. I'm going to try to cover these subjects a little bit quicker because we don't have that much time. But bear with me, okay? Leviticus, this is Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus, fourth book, right at the beginning, chapter 27. And in chapter 27, God specifically talks about money. In fact, he talks about money a lot in the Bible, but here he gives us some instructions. What are we to do with what we make, with what we earn? Chapter 27, verse uh, 30. And God says this is God speaking, a tithe. Have you ever heard that phrase before? A word? A tithe? Yes. A tithe of everything from the land, whether the grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy. To the Lord verse 32 the entire tithe of the herd and flock every 10th animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord in the old testament when god brought the israelites out of egypt and he formed his own people group and established a set of rules of relationship between him and uh, him and them he said a tithe a tenth it's another word for tenth of everything that the land produces that the fruits bear this would have been for someone whose per, uh, primary occupation was agriculture Or he says, a tithe, a tenth of every animal that passes under the shepherd's rod. This would have been for somebody whose primary occupation was a farmer, which were primarily their two occupations. But a tithe of everything that's produced belongs to the Lord. In fact, he says, it is holy. You read that? It is holy to the Lord. When God uses the word holy, he calls it sanctified. uh, In our words, it would be like God sets it aside. He lays claim on that. So God has said in Deuteronomy, everything that you're going to make comes from me. But once you've made it, once the land is produced from your labor, you planted, you grew, you plucked, once you have herded and and, and things are growing, this is what they did in their day it says a tithe, a tenth of everything belongs to the Lord. We call it a tithe. Let's skip over to um, <clears throat> numbers, okay, numbers eighteen. so uh, Leviticus, that's where we were now we are in, in numbers, eighteen. And we are in verse 21. So the next book over. Uh, What does God want to do with this tithe? So God has created what we call a system of tithes. And what is it for? Okay, chapter 18. This is Numbers. This is just the next book. Let's look at verse 21. God says uh, to Aaron. Let's actually start with verse 20 because this will give a little backdrop. And God spoke to Aaron. And by the way, in case you didn't know that name, Aaron was Moses' brother. And Aaron had a specific job amongst the people of Israel. He was called the high priest. He was the spiritual leader uh, of of the tent, of the temple. And, And God said to Aaron, verse 20, You will have no inheritance in the land. You will not have a share amongst them, because I am your share in your inheritance among the Israelites. Then he turns to the Israelites and he says, I give to the Levites. These were Aaron's descendants or his clan. I give to the Levites all the tithes in Israel as their inheritance in return for the work that they do while serving at the tent of meeting. Did you catch that? Okay. So God says, it is I who gives you all the wealth. You're going to produce. Now obviously, if you're a farmer, that means herd and cattle and etc. But most of us are not. If you're, um, I'm not a farmer. If you are a um, Yeah, I guess the farmer does that. Uh, If you work in agriculture, you're producing. But most of us actually go to work somewhere and we get a paycheck. That is our increase. Those are the fruits of our labors. And God says, a tenth. A tithe belongs to me. And I've set it aside. And then he tells us what he's going to do with it. So we're following the money. God says, a tenth. What is he going to do with it? God says, I'm going to give this as inheritance to the Levites. And what is a Levite? In the people group of the Israelites, each clan... Each of the, different, of the different 12 clans had like a trade, a, a specific a skill set that they did. Uh, some uh, did work in farming. Some were skilled laborers, work with metals, etc. They all had specific duties. The Levites were, um, uh, th- their job was to work in the temple. Their job was to care for the things of God, the sacrifices, the services. Their job was to take care of the temple. That's what they did. And you notice here when God speaks to Aaron, he says, You guys, you Levites, you cannot have any other inheritance than me. I will be your inheritance. Let me break that down for you. If you were not a Levite, you could herd cattle, and you might be very successful, and you might gain a lot of wealth and be able to pass that on to your son as inheritance. If you were a skilled laborer and you did good work with metals, you might make a lot of money in exchange, and you were able to pass that down. But the Levites could not herd They could not work with precious metals. They could not do anything other than work in the temple, right? So God says to them, you will have no inheritance. You cannot gain wealth other than what I provide for you. In fact, he says it right there. We read it. I will be your inheritance. So when God creates a system of tithes and offerings, he's setting something in place. He's saying, I, God, give give everyone the ability to create wealth. And then I'm asking you, that would include you, to give a tenth, set that aside to the Lord. Well, I will do, What I will do with that is I'll give it to the Levites, the priests, because they cannot gain any wealth any other way. And the priests will work for me. So what God just did is he created a system of interdependence. God gives to us, we give to the priests, they depend, but the priests serve us. In modern day, your priests would be your pastor. Those that work in the church uh, serve here. Not just in this church, but obviously throughout, throughout the world in other churches. So God created a system of tithes to bless the Levite clan. So where does the money go? We're going we're gonna to follow the money. And I uh, am going to tell you where the money goes. When you come in on, on any given Saturday and you, uh, you fill out the little envelope in there, and you, you put, there's a little line that says tithe, and you put that amount there, this is what happens to that money. Okay, can I have that slide please? Okay, thank you. Uh, It's a pie chart. I know it's really small. I don't expect you to read it. Um, We belong to an organization, a larger organization, a sisterhood of churches all over um, Southern California called the Southeastern California Conference. It is made up of somewhere around 160 uh, church groups, and we employ over 200 pastors as well as teachers, academies, uh, all kinds of organizations. The money that you give that says tithe gets lumped together, and goes to one location. It goes up to the conference. Tithe goes from here, and every other sister church that we have, and it goes up to the conference. What it does there, it gets divvied up into different things. Next slide, please. Uh, I'll explain <laughs> the pie. And, and it gets divvied up, and then the conference has a leftover amount, and then they divvy that up. I'm going to tell you how this breaks down. Okay. I just, I like pie, so um, forgive me. The, I was going to have an actual pie, but... It's hard to break apple pie into even pieces. So um, let me have the next slide. This is what happens. In the year 2012, Southeastern California Conference, all the churches, the 167 churches, uh, individuals like yourself, 70,000 members strong, gave 48, almost $49 million worth of tithe. So when you put your dollar or 10 or 100 or maybe more in there, this is where it goes. It gets collected. And our conference collected $49 million. And you're probably saying to yourself, wow, that's a lot of money, right? We're going to follow the money. Where does the money go? What does it do? We want to be transparent. I want you to have trust that we, the church, are doing exactly what God says we should do with it. So that tithe, God says, set that aside. That is inheritance for the Levites, for the work of the church. So what does it do? Off that $49 million, there is 23.44% that goes to the GC. That's the general conference. It goes to different channels. We go from um, uh, Southeastern California to the uh, Pacific Union, which is a group of conferences, to the North American Division, which is a group of unions, to the worldwide church. You know that we have 17 million members throughout the world, uh, uh, Adventist members throughout the world. So we're a worldwide organization. So the first 23% goes on up to bless uh, the world's work. So um, the... First 23 cents out of every dollar that you give leaves Southern California and goes throughout the world. Obviously, you might be thinking to yourself, that's a lot of money. But what it does is it helps keep our organization united throughout the world. Your Thai dollars may be blessing a church somewhere in Zimbabwe today. Your Thai dollars are helping to promote uh, Adventism and its message somewhere on the other side of the world, as well as in our local communities. So the first 11.4 million goes on up, and the conference, our local uh, governing body is left with 37.5. Am I boring you? Good, because your tax attorney is going to uh, you should get ready for this. OK, 37.5 million. OK, next slide, please. I want to be open and honest with you so you know this is what's happening, okay? All right. So of that $37.5 million, where does the money go? We're going to follow the money. God said that tithe, I set aside, it is holy. It does not belong to you. It belongs to the Lord, God says. And of that, I'm going to give it to the Levites. What do we do? What does the conference do? Of that $37.5 million, 47%, about $17.6 million goes to pay for pastor's salaries. We employ about uh, 200,000 pastors. This includes pastor salaries and benefits. Um, we are blessed. I I, I work for a fantastic conference. I was telling the kids, we have excellent health benefits thanks to you, Uh, thanks to your generosity. Uh, We have vision, dental coverage, that kind of really good stuff. Uh, And this is where it goes. It goes to pay for pastor salaries because the Bible says I will be their inheritance. What's interesting, what I'm trying to get you to understand here is as a pastor, we are completely dependent on whether or not you will follow God's instructions to give a tenth of your increase. If you do not, as a church, then our tithe goes down, then pastors lose their jobs. We are completely dependent on what you give. Does that make sense? That's the system. God said to the Levites, you cannot go and make wealth elsewhere. You will depend on me. And and God says, I trust you Israelites to bless them with this tithe. That's what happens. So the first, uh, 17.6, goes to pay for pastors. We also believe in Christian education as part of the Levites' work. So 6.1 million goes to support San Diego Academy and other schools like that with teacher salaries, uh, scholarships, subsidies for different programs. Uh, the, the second largest expenditure usually is for education. Um, so that's what happens. 4.9 million goes to, for pastor's retirement. We have a lot of pastors who have worked and are now in retirement, and we are in charge uh, of helping them to get through retirement, that's part of what we do. Uh, three point nine million goes to administration; just a little over ten percent of every tithe dollar that you give uh, goes to pay for the administration. That includes all our governing body, um, and then three point one million goes for departments, things like uh, youth ministry, uh, Sabbath school department that put programs and, and provide materials for all our churches in the area, uh, in, in the areas of these in California Conference. About a million dollars comes back directly to the church. In scholarships for Vacation Bible School, uh, when they send uh, uh, books and resources directly to us, to all the different churches. And then uh, last little bit, about a ha- a half a million goes to Pine Stings Ranch, which is, which is our conference's um, camping retreat. So out of that tie dollar, it, it goes to fund Pine Stings Ranch. If you have kids that are about junior age, uh, chances are a number of them have gone to Pine Stings Ranch. Uh, It's a fantastic institution where a lot of our teenagers have made their first decision to follow Christ. Uh, So it's part of the ministry of the Levites. So this is where the money goes. Are we clear? Are we good on that? You understand? Okay. It is a lot of money. Amen? Is it all the tenth of all our members increase? What do you think? Do you believe that we, the churches of the Southeastern California Conference, are all faithfully paying 10% of our increase according to what the Bible has said. What percentage of our members do you think are actually following God's instructions and numbers in Leviticus and giving a tenth of their increase? Take a guess. 30%? 10%? 25%? Oh, okay. Not, not too bad, not too bad. Uh, okay. We're going to crunch some numbers. <laughs> Okay, statistics say, statistics say that only 5% of all Americans, only 5% of all Americans pay tithes, 5%. That's, that's statistics. Of evangelicals, 24% give tithes. But of all Christians, 12% pay tithes, 12%. Do you know what that means? That means that our churches around North America could be blessed with pastors and teachers and schools and all the things that we provided, could be blessed 90% more if we were faithful. You follow that? You know what that also means? I'll explain in a minute. It also means that we're only getting one-tenth of the benefit we're entitled to as a church community. We'll get to that in a second. So what does that look like in our local church? Okay, uh, can I have the next slide, please? Good. All right. In 2012, we, the Bonita Valley, now we're, now we're going to get serious. I better take off my jacket. Now it's coming home. We're going to get down to business. Money talks. Open and honest conversation about money. You need to know what's up. Last year, this church, you, you, when you filled out those tithing envelopes, we gave $456,000. That's almost half a million dollars in tithe alone. That is Fantastic. Uh, we, the, the, the board and your, your, your leadership, are just give glory to God for how generous you have been. Uh, we were able to return this money onto the Worldwide Church. Now you're thinking, wow, Pastor, you're making a lot of money. That's not the case. <laughs> as I just explained to you, this money goes on up and it gets divvied up throughout the world. Of this money, only a certain percentage comes back to you in the form of pastor salaries, which would include myself, Pastor Vaughn when he was here, as well as subsidies for some of the other employees that we have on our staff. But we were able to not just bless ourselves, but bless the whole world with that amount. That's fantastic. But consider for just a moment how that works. Okay, anybody have a calculator or is a math whiz? Okay, if you're out there, help me out. 456,000, that's in tithe. How many members do we have in our church? Anybody have a guess? 250? Okay, not bad. Uh, We're actually on the books, 410 members. How many people are... um, how many people are actually attending church on a regular basis? Probably 220. We have two services, 220 to 230. Of those, how many actually, like you, have professional jobs? How many have professional jobs? Well, probably at 110, 120, maybe as high as 150 people who draw a paycheck. But for argument's sake, let's do that. Let's say 150 people who could provide uh, uh, a tithe re- return. Okay? So calculators out there? So, what's 456,000 divided by 150? 3,000? That's good. Good ballpark figure. 3,000. All right? That means that, means that per capita for, every for all 150 members last year, we gave $3,000 per capita, per person, per income earner, which is a fantastic number. It is. It is because, in comparison to the rest of our churches, that is really, really good. A lot of the churches in our sisterhood, we're in a down year. Uh, they, they lost tithe giving. We were up. Do you know that over last year, our tithe donations increased by $95,000? Uh, based on what we gave 2011, we gave $95,000 more than that. That's fantastic. You know what that means? That means out of your giving, not only are we blessing this church, but we're blessing the worldwide church. That's something to be proud of, and I'm grateful for that. But, but before we start patting ourselves on the back, here's where it gets real. $3,000 means dollars $3, means that if you're faithfully paying your tithe, you're making how much money a year? $30,000. On average, that means everyone in here is making $30,000. Would that be true? Ask yourself the question. Would that be true? If you were, if all of us, and that's everyone paying tithe was making $30,000, that means almost all of us Would be living near the poverty line. Near the poverty line. Now, I'm just trying to make a point. And the point is this even in our own church community, it's a small number of people who pay tithe faithfully. And thank God for those that do. Because as you will see in a second, there's a blessing attached to tithe and the giving. Let me tell you what it is. Let's open your Bibles again. We are now in Malachi. Our text for today is in your bulletin there. We are in Malachi. Malachi is a tiny little book just before the New Testament. Uh, So if you make it to Matthew, go three pages back and you'll find Malachi. And we are in chapter three. Book of Malachi is a fantastic book that has to deal with money. And God's going to get down to business. So you better loosen up your tie because it's about to get hot in here. Malachi chapter three. In Malachi, God is having a conversation with his people. By the time we get to Malachi, the Israelites have been around for a long time. Like this church, they have been well established and have been around for a long time. And in Malachi, God decides to take issue with them. The first issue God has with them is is in chapter 1 of the book of Malachi. He says, you know what? You promised me some things, but you haven't been keeping your end of the bargain. That's chapter 1. In chapter 2, the Israelites say, what are you talking about, God? What are you talking about? Look, there's a ton of money in there, God. What's the deal? What are you complaining about? And then God has this answer. Look with me, please. Verse uh, 8, I mean, I'm sorry, verse 6, chapter 3. Okay, loosen up your collar. It's going to get hot in here. This is what God says. I am the Lord God. I do not change. He says, and I am patient with you. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from me and my decrees. He says, remember Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers? I told you what I wanted. I told you the system that I established. But you guys have ignored that. And he says this, return to me and I will return to you. And the people say, this is God kind of playing both sides, but you say, what are you talking about? How are we returned?" And God says, will a man rob God? Will you steal from God? Would you steal from God? But you are stealing from me, God says. But you ask, how are we stealing from you? And God says, in tithes and in tithes. Offerings. In fact, he says, you are under a curse. Oops. Now, let's consider taxes for just a moment. Can you steal from the government? Yeah, you can. You can try. But eventually Uncle Sam will get his man. He'll come after you, he'll keep coming after you. Chances are you've probably fudged a number or two on your tax return, but you better hope you don't get audited. Uh, if, you, if you make a higher income than usual, if you're you know, well over the $30,000 range, your chances of being audited are higher, uh, despite the whole sequester issue. You're, there's, you know, don't think that <laughs> there's nobody at the IRS. They're still going to come after you. You can't cheat the government. They'll come after you. In fact, Uncle Sam takes his cut first. Can you cheat God? Absolutely. In fact, that's what he's saying. And if you look out of our budget and our numbers... Are we all making $30,000 a year, those of us that pay tithe? That's what the numbers suggest. It's either that, or out of the 150 possible tithe payers, only a handful are actually paying tithe faithfully. That's more like reality. The number of faithful tithe givers, those that actually give 10% of tithe, is probably closer to 10%. That means 10% of our group of believers is blessing the other 90%. Because God says, will you steal from me? And you say, what are you talking about? God says, in tithes and offerings, you're under the curse, the whole nation, because you are stealing from me. Then he says these words, verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room to receive it. God says, in the world around us, they want to define you by how much money you have. And you know from experience that the more money you try to make, the more difficult life becomes. Notorious B.I.G. sang it. More money... No problems, that's right. You chase that dollar, and you cannot catch it, right? The more money you make, the more bills you pay. When I was, late, when I was young, I was so glad I got, you know, $125, check. Woo-hoo! and I thought, someday I'm going to make $30,000, and when I hit that plateau, I was out of money just as well. This is how the world defines us. It wants us to chase. The expenses rise to meet the level of income. It does not matter how much money you have, you will learn and find a way to spend it. That's the way the world works. That's how they say the world goes around, money, money, money. But God is saying differently. God is saying, I want you to live on trust. I've asked you to trust me. Bring the tithes. It's holy. I set it aside to bless the pastors, the Levites. And if you trust me in this, I will bless you even more. The Bible says, In Luke 16, Jesus tells a story. God wants to bless us significantly, but we have to learn how to manage what he's placed in front of us. So God says, the first tenth, did you know that? It's not the last tenth. When people fill out their tithe, it's usually if I have anything left over. But God says, the first fruits, the first fruits of the land, that is what God wants. Because God says, if you give me 10% right off the top, that means you have to learn to manage with less than 100%. You have to be a bit more careful. God is, in fact, pushing us to budget ourselves. The kids and I did a budget in Sabbath in school this morning. Uh, the teens and I did a budget. And they had no idea <laughs> uh, how expenses just can rack up. If you don't plan ahead, the money just goes out, and you end up living like most Americans on credit. Amen? Yeah, yeah, I know you have credit. <laughs> I know how this works. I'm in the same boat, trust me. And, and let's be clear. I'm not trying to tell you I've got this figured out for myself. I'm in the same boat with you. I'm living under the same challenges. I am being challenged by God himself to pay tithe. But God says something interesting here. He says tithes and offerings. What is offering? You'll see the number here. Monthly average, $15,000, almost $16,000. The tithe that you give when you put in leaves this church and it goes directly on up and it comes back in pastor salaries and everything that we described. But how does the church live otherwise? The church lives on your offerings. God says, bring the tithes and offerings so that there may be food in my house. The system of offerings is for the caretaking of the temple. The tithes blesses the Levites, the offering blesses the temple. Each and every month, we average about $16,000 worth of your donating directly to church budget. Now, some of you um, just didn't know, so I'm here to tell you. Tithe doesn't stay in the church. If you just write tithe, all that will go. But God says, I have a a deal with you. Tithes and offerings. What is offerings? Offerings is a response to God. The first tenth, God says, that belongs to me. It's not like you have a choice. You do because you have to voluntarily give it. But God says, "I I claim on that. Offerings are a response to God. The Old Testament says, "If I have blessed you, if I have taken care of you, if I have given you wealth, if you want to express some gratitude, bring an offering, an offering of gratitude. That blesses the temple. And you, this congregation, gives an average of sixteen thousand dollars. Now let's follow that money. Next slide, please. God, we be honest, open in this conversation with you, okay?" What do we do with that money of the $16,000? The first big chunk goes to Adventist education. Right, Mr. Ebenezer? We faithfully send our check, uh, almost $3,500 every month, to subsidize the San Diego Academy. It's a private school. It cannot function without the support of local churches. And we believe in Adventist education. A lot of us are products of Adventist education. So we send money. We also send money in tuition assistance for uh, uh, students from our school that go go there that don't have enough money to pay for themselves. So that's our biggest... um, Uh, Amount of money that we send. Of the money that you give, we bless the school, we bless the students. So if you have a a student of school age, take advantage. We're already supporting the school. You can benefit from that as well. Partner with us. Uh, Let's send some more kids to school. Amen, Mr. Ebenezer? All right, cool. Uh, next, we have employees in our, in our campus. We have a secretary, ministers coordinator, we have custodial services, and we are looking to hire even more people because we believe there's more work to be done and we want to invest in people. So right now we spend about $4,000 in wages. That's where the money goes, to bless the temple, to care, take care of the temple, uh, to you know, mow the grass and trim the trees and things like that. Office expenses, all those nice little bullet things that you get, production value that we have in different places, Somebody pays for that. It comes out of the church budget. Uh, Nurture ministries. This is women's ministries, children's ministries, uh, everything that happens outside of a Sabbath day context. Uh, The food that you guys have for potluck or in the lobby this morning when you came in, you got some snacks. This is where it comes from. Somebody pays for that. It comes from the money that you donate in offering. Physical plant. We have to pay for... um, Upkeep in this building, Some things, sometimes things break down. Some things need to be repaired. That's where 2300 goes on average. Equipment, we buy stuff. We buy this and that and this and that it, to do what we do on a weekly basis. That's where the money comes from, utilities. We're blessed to be in this part of San Diego. We don't pay really high costs for utilities, but that's where the money goes. This is where the money goes. We want to be open and honest with you so that you know that when you send the money here, this is what we're doing with it. And why? It was want you to have some confidence that we are handling it as best as we possibly can. But what God is really challenging us, you and me both today, as we're having an honest conversation about money, is not just to trust us, the church, or to trust the conference, but to trust him. The reality is you could take issue with any of these numbers and the numbers I showed before. In fact, I do sometimes. I go to the conference and I say, you guys are spending too much money on this. That's my job. I've got to call them to accountability, and you've got to call me and the church to accountability. You might be able to say, hey, pastor, we're spending too much money on this. That is your right. That's your responsibility. But that is not where we're going to solve this issue. Some people come and they say, you know what, I don't think you guys are managing the money well, so I'm not going to give my tithe. You know what, I don't think, um, you know, the conferences, I'm not going to give money there. I'm going to choose here and there. But what you do when you do that? is you are not just ignoring the rest of us. You are actually disrespecting the call of God. That's why he says, you are stealing from me. And you're like, how? God says, because I have given you these decrees, but you're making yourself out to be the one who determines what right and wrong is. This is the difference. Either God has given us the ability to produce wealth, or we have done it on our own. This is the difference. God established a system of tithes and offerings to create a relationship of trust. It's like a test. That's what he says. Test me in this. Return your tithes and offerings, both the money that goes up to bless the Levites, as well as the money that comes here to bless the church, and see if I will not bless you by opening up the floodgates of heaven. Next slide, please. That's a promise I want to leave on there. Got the Lord Almighty says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. So, here's the deal. You can put God to the test. Do not take my word for it. I'm not here to multiply your money. But God wants to do that. That's what he says. You can call me a liar, and I will let you down in terms of how I handle money. But God says, I do not change. My word will be true. If I promise to give you this, I will give you this. Test me in this and see if I will not bless you. Those of us, those of you who have in fact faithfully given your tithes and offerings, can know the difference of what it means to live under the provision of God. As a pastor, my family is constantly uh, depending upon God to make everything happen. I'll be honest with you. I I feel tremendously blessed to be in this community, to live in the house that I live, but I know it all came from God. It didn't come from the sweat of my brow or from my abilities. It all has been a blessing from God. He has proven that from when I was a kid all the way along. God has blessed me Provided for me, and he will do the same for you. I'm sure he already has. But if you haven't, if you haven't tasted the goodness of God, test him, he says. Test me. A tenth of your increase and an offering as a response from your heart. See, here's what God is trying to say. I'm the giver of everything, and I want to give more. Like a father, he wants to entrust your children with more. But like you, you who are parents, You can't trust your kids to handle a lot until they know how to handle a little. So God wants to increase you, and the way he creates trust in him is through this system. Follow the money. It all comes from God, and it all goes back to God. Amen? Follow the money. This is is an open, honest conversation. I want you to feel free to come talk to me. Challenge me. Come hold me accountable. Make, Make a phone call. Check our website, come and make an appointment with this dialogue about this. If you want to talk about your specific situation, fantastic. Just as a little bit of an aside, if you have donated money to the church, it's a tax-deductible contribution, so you can owe Uncle Sam less. Uh, so if you've already done that, make sure you claim that deduction before you file or refile your taxes. I just want you to walk away from, from today's message knowing this. Everything belongs to God, and he has blessed us, and all he's asking is that we recognize that. And how do we do that? by honoring his word in both our tithes and our offerings. And when we do that, the promise is that he will bless this church. God wants to bless this church in an amazing way. God wants to bless this church with financial windfalls. God wants to bless your family, your children, your neighborhood, and your job. And he'll do that when you exercise trust in him. Thank you.